You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. All right, so now moving on to Noah, the covenant with Noah. The, the, the primary place for this is uh, in, in Genesis chapter 9, 8 through 18. So I'm going to read this. Um, and, uh, yeah, read this, and it's on your sheet. It says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I will establish, establish my covenant, there's a the language, with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant, there's the word again, with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you, repetition of that language, and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all earth. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Okay, so here you can see that the, the promise that God says is, I'm not ever going to do a massive cataclysmic flood again. Uh, I'm not going to destroy the earth. And after, right after he says this, he reissues the creational mandate. He says, be fruitful, multiply, uh, and you know, populate the earth, subdue, subdue, and so on and so forth. Exactly what he says to Adam and Eve after he makes them, he says to Noah and to his family. Um, it's kind of like a reset. And so the hanging up of the bow, the rainbow, again, this is not everyone agrees with this, but Tim Keller does, so I think it's probably pretty solid. No. But, um, uh, but anyhow, and that is what God, um, uh, what a original reader would have interpreted with the rainbow is that they would have thought of the bow, rainbow bow as like a, a hunting weapon, like a weapon. And so that God is hanging up the bow, as he says, is in a sense like God saying, like, I am putting away my judgment. Um, and I am, I am, you know, I'm going to have mercy on you. You're going to be just as sinful <laughs> as before, but I am going to withhold my judgment. And, um, and so that's part of what's being conveyed. Another thing that's being conveyed in the, in the covenant with Noah is that um, the earth that God created is going to be preserved as the place where um, the fulfillment of this mission will occur, where you know, the world will be filled with people who know and love and worship God. Um, it will be the place when Christ returns, where the new heavens and the new earth will be established. And so there is a, some uh, c- communication or conveyance that the earth uh, is now um, will be preserved and secured as the place for the fulfillment of God's mission, which ultimately will be for him to dwell with all his people. So that is the covenant with Noah. Um, And the rainbow, the hanging bow in the sky, is the sign of the covenant. Notice too, again, this reiteration of my covenant between me and you, 
But then he also says all flesh and all creation. But the me and you, again, conveys that the fabric of the covenants is personal relationship between God and man. And if there is anything that we want our children to understand about Christianity is that it is about a personal relationship with God, a personal relationship with God that we enter into by the grace that flows out of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. So, um, so the, I just want to yeah, reiterate that. Okay, the next covenant, by the way, this class is a little bit informational, a little bit on the informational side, but hey, you're going you're gonna to come out of here a basically educated person on the covenants. All right, let's go, RTR. WD, whatever your thing is. Um, go Vandy. Go Vandy. How about that? Everyone can agree on that. Um, all right. So next, the Abrahamic covenant. This is the covenant with Abraham. And we see the covenant with Abraham is reiterated in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17. Um, the basics of it are pretty much the same. But there is a little bit of development and a little bit of nuance on this covenant. Um, in each one of the pronouncements of that covenant. So in uh, the, the text I chose was Genesis uh, 17, which is the last pronouncement. And this is because it has the sign. Um, so Genesis 17, 1 through 11 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenants between me and you. Relationship. And they multiply you greatly. That's interesting because the, the, I mean, this is you know he is saying that hey I'm gonna you're gonna have kids and you're gonna have an incredible lineage that's gonna bless all the nations, which that'll happen through Jesus. Um, but also too, it is also a when you look at the language in the Abra- Abrahamic covenant, it's very similar to the creational mandate of what God says to Adam and Eve about be be fruitful and multiply. So you can see that that mission from the beginning. Uh, reiterated there. Then Abraham fell, on, Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, relational, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, creational mandate language, and I will make you into nations, and the kings and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenants between me and you. See, this, see the same language? It's all relational. Um, between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. That is the promise of fellowship and communion with God. If you've ever heard that language, like, I will be your God and you will be my people, um, I've kind of, I always kind of wonder, like, what does that mean? And then, I, and, when I t- and then when I took covenant theology in college, in the seminary, they were like, that means having a personal relationship. I'm like, oh, how about that? Bring it all home. All right, so then it says, and I will give a gift to you, your offspring, after you land of, of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, I will be their God. So land is part of it. And then, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, Throughout their generations, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So we said the sign in the covenant of Noah was the rainbow. The sign of the covenant with Abraham is circumcision. We have debated on whether or not we're going to have that on the chart with the kids. 
Um, you know, kind of awkward. And I think we've come down on, yeah, we are just going to use that term. And, you know, if it comes home, you just, uh, if it comes home, you just say, yep, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina, God made bodies, they're good. Um, that's a, that's just a good, that's a, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's just a good practice in general for your kids. I mean, it's true, you know, uh, it's in terms of like, in terms of like, um, if you have small kids, in terms of like, uh, protecting your kids from sexual abuse, you want your kids to be able to correctly name their private parts. And, uh, and also, we also want to always affirm that their body is good. Your body is good. Uh, God made you this way. Praise God. And if anybody, you know, if anybody tries to touch you there, you immediately go tell mommy and daddy because that's your body. It doesn't belong to someone else, and that is very wrong of someone to do that. So anyhow, we just got into a you know, child abuse pre prevention uh, uh, talk there. <laughs> but anyhow, so you know, in line with, oh, this is awkward, but yeah, we just, um, we'll, 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 we'll probably let you take on the biology, however you wanna do that, but we will use the word circumcision and try to be as age appropriate as possible on talking about wee-wees. So, um, <laughs> so anyhow. But that is the sign, you know, and that is the sign. And, um, and so what we can see here is, by the way, I've, done, I've taught sex ed 15 times. And I just want you to know, I can literally say anything and not blush. I really can. <laughs> but anyhow, what we can see flowing through the Abrahamic covenant is um, the promise of blessing that God desires to bless. Um, we can see the promise of personal relationship. Uh, we can see the promise of land all about the land. There's a professor at, at uh, Beeson of A School, and he always says, it's all about the land. Um, but yeah, and so there is the promise of the land and of the lineage. And this is, and this is all by grace. You know, it's not like, hey, Abraham, like, if you get it right, then these things are going to happen. Because we see all around Abraham that he gets it wrong over and over and over again. All the stories between 12, 15, 17, and all around it are Abraham, you know, blowing it. Um, but God is faithful, um, and, and it's a one-way grace. Okay, so that's the Abrahamic covenant. Really, really important because, you know, Jesus, uh, the, the beginning of the, old, of the New Testament, is looking at the lineage of Jesus, and it starts with Abraham. And so Jesus, ultimately it's through Jesus that all the nations are blessed um, and that this promise of personal relationship is, is going out to all the nations uh, through him. So that's the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, I mean, I would have to say that, I mean, they're all really important, but the Abrahamic covenant is probably the center of the Old Testament because this is the establishment of the people of Israel, of that nation, establishment of that promise comes by grace, and, um, and, and it probably uh, has the most central um, fulfillment of all the covenants in the New Covenant. So, just my opinion. All right, so now we're going to the Mosaic Covenant. I hope this is not boring, by the way. I, I hope you're getting something out of this. Just want you to be educated. Um, and I'll land the plane with something meaningful. Uh, all right, so the Mosaic Covenant, you can see in different places, but primarily in uh, Exodus 19. This happens after the Israelites have been released from slavery in Egypt. They've come across the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. And, uh, and Moses goes up on the mountain, and he you know, has these uh, conversations with God. And he receives the law. But the, the Mosaic Covenant, at the core... Um, is here, let's read what it says, because the Mosaic Covenant has a lot to do with God really establishing and defining 
the national identity of Israel as the people of God. You know, he really, that, that kind of starts with Abraham. Um, but, you know, they're in, they're in slavery for like almost four centuries um, before God fulfills the promise of giving them the land, when Joshua leads them into the promised land. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they don't have a tabernacle. They don't really have a ton of direction on worship and so on and so forth. And so it's in the Mosaic Covenant um, that God delivers these things. And so this is kind of conceptually the beginning of it because the Mosaic Covenant, all of the law, the moral law, um, the Sabbath law, like how do we worship, um, yeah, how do we worship the Lord, what is the temple to be like, what are the sacrifices we do, and then the government law of Israel, all of that is kind of a, a part or an aspect of the Mosaic Covenant. But at the core, what we see is in Exodus 19, it says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported to the words of the people to the Lord. So when he says that they'll be a treasured possession, he's saying like, you're going to be my people, the people who live under my grace. And the intent is that, um, and he probably, you know, and he kind of reiterates relationship. And something he adds to that is the sacrificial system. Um, And that is the means by which, hey, you sin, you break fellowship with me, but we have, you know, but through sacrifice and through your faith in my grace, the relationship is restored. It's, it's atoned. And so these promises of like personal salvation and personal relationship to the people, they are, um, they are all based in grace. They're all based in grace. Now, the promise of Israel, you're going to be the nation that's going to draw all the nations. You're going to be a blessing to all the nations and draw everyone to the worship of God, of Yahweh, the God of Israel, and to come under the blessing of that covenant. That is conditional. Um, That is conditional, which is a very tricky thing to to think about. But what you see here is the people say, we're going to do it. Everything you said, God, we're going to do it. Well, the story of the Old Testament is that they don't do it. And we see that a covenant where they're, again, like Adam, it's not, this is not a covenant of works, but like Adam, any covenant where there's any kind of like, okay, people, you pull your weight, God's going to pull his weight, Jesus is my co-pilot, it's not going to work. <laughs> if Jesus is the co-pilot, the plane's going to crash. So, um, so with that being said, uh, that, 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 that's an element of the Mosaic covenant. Anybody have any questions so far? It's been a lot of information, I know. All right, well, let's go to David. That'll be the last one. And um, this one's pretty simple, and it's also pretty cool. All right, so this is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 16. And, and, and God comes to David. And he says, From the time that I appointed judges over my people, and I, and I will give you the rest, rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled, this is da- when David's days are fulfilled, and you lie down with your fathers... I will raise up your offspring after you, 
who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. So here he's, he's promising that, you know, he's going to have a son, he's going to succeed him. He shall build a house for my name. And so who is, who is the, uh, the child of David who builds the temple? Solomon, good job, there you go. Yeah, it's Solomon. And he says, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Promises an eternal kingdom to flow out of David's family. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So he promises David an eternal throne. And something that is really interesting, a little history fact here, is that the Davidic covenant of Israel, I'm sorry, the Davidic dynasty of Israel is actually by far the longest standing dynasty of any kingdom in world history. Um, it goes on for uh, over five centuries. And I think the second longest dynasty is like 300 years. And so, um, so with that being said, you can see like, you know, some material uh, fulfillment of that. But ultimately, you might tell me, how is this fulfilled in Jesus? How is an eternal, like David's eternal throne forever established? Well, yeah, the resurrection, yeah, because that's the sign of it, for sure. That's the sign of the um, kind of the enthronement of Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of David. That's why uh, the New Testament, the first verse is, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, son of Abraham and son of David. What uh, Matthew is signaling is Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And Jesus is uh, a direct descendant of the line of David, such that Jesus, who is an eternal king, is the fulfillment of this covenant. And so, um, so anyhow, I'm not going to go too much more into that. I just want to say a few big picture points to land the plane. But, 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 but hey, this is just a good little crash course for you as the season goes on, because all the stories are going to have to do with covenant with Adam, Abraham, Noah, David, um, Moses, and the new covenant. So you'll have some, you know, you'll have some, some basic framework here. All right, so first, God has big picture points. First, God has always had a plan for his people. You can see, like, especially as we look to the fulfillment in the New Testament, like, God has always had a plan for his people. He has always been faithful. No matter how much we fail, no matter how much, um, no matter how much we mess up, he is, his desire, his intent um, to bring people from all the nations of the earth into relationship with him, uh, to bring us under the promises of his grace and his love, he is, always, he is faithful to get it done. And I was talking to a parent um, this week whose child has had just a really tough life. The child is a middle schooler, but it is socially and medically and in other ways, her life, the child's life has been so, so very difficult. And the mom was talking about how, you know, it's really hard when you're a teenager and a young person to kind of have perspective because you just don't have tons of history in your life to look back and be like, oh, God brought me through. You know, God brought me through this. And, um, 
And so, whereas an, as you're an adult, you know, you can kind of look back and you can see one of my, my favorite gospel song is I Don't Feel No Ways Tired by the Reverend James Cleveland. And he says, I don't feel no ways tired. Uh, I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, an old lady is, is like, is testifying in the church. And that's what she says. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. And she can look back on the course of her life, God's faithfulness to her personally in his life. Well, when you don't have much history in your life, and honestly, too, in anybody's life, it's very helpful for us to look at the history of God's faithfulness to his people in Scripture as a thing that we can stand on. And we can say, hey, you don't have a whole lot of outstanding, but look at this. Like, look at how faithful God has been throughout the years, over centuries, centuries, and centuries, and millennia, millennia, millennia. Look how faithful God has been. And, like, you can stand on that. You can stand on the history of God's people. Um, as the assurance that God will be faithful to you to get you through this miserable season that we call middle school. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and, and, so, and I think, too, big picture things I would say is the, the commonality, commonality in these points, in, in these covenants, that is the core of Christianity. And, like, in terms of, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, like, over-communications of the basics, um, over-communication of the core things and um, make the main thing the main thing all the time. And so the main thing, the, the themes that we see in all these covenants are, one, it's about a personal relationship with God. Um, hey, being a moral person, ethical person, that's great. Uh, we want that. That's, a, that's fruit of that, of that personal relationship with God. And it, it, the core is that relationship, and the basis of that relationship is grace. It's God's grace. Uh, we're sinners, we mess up, we violate God's law, and because of Jesus, he forgives us, and he stays in the relationship with us. And so, um, and so that is, um, that and all of this is what we will hammer home over and over again. So, um, look at me, one minute to spare. Woohoo! Um, all right, well, anybody have any questions? Yes? Yeah. Sure, that's great. Okay, so there is um, there is a, there is that covenant, the promise of the Mosaic covenant. It operates at an individual level, and it operates at a corporate level for the whole nation. And at the individual level, it's by grace, and we see that in the sacrificial system in particular. When we get to the corporate level. It, there is conditionality. Like, hey, Israel, if you guys are faithful, if you obey me, um, you obey the law, you worship, you take care of the poor, the oppressed, the vulnerable, then what will, the result of that will be that the blessings that you have as the people of God that are initially issued to you in the, the covenant of Abraham and kind of reemphasized or reinforced here in the covenant of Moses, um, you will be the vehicle that God uses to bring all of the nations under that blessing, under, the, under that communion and covenant. Um, that's God's intent from the beginning, that the whole world will be filled with people who know and love and worship God and live under his blessing and live under his love. Um, but what we see, and so in the, in the old, in the Mosaic covenant, oh, I always get this wrong. What's centrifugal versus centripetal? What's the one that's the, that draws people in? That's centripetal? Centrifugal, that draws you in. Okay, so the covenant, the, the way 
that Israel was meant to um, operate was it was meant to be centrifugal. Through their example of moral, you know, moral purity, through their worship of one God, through their mercy and kindness towards the poor and the oppressed, through their, the, through, um, their example of justice, they were meant to attract all the nations to the worship of Yahweh. And it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> and, um, and so what you see in like the book of Kings, and, sorry, the Kings and Samuels and Chronicles, the whole history of Israel, is you, uh, an original Jewish reader would see, would know the Mosaic Covenant. They would know the law. They'd know every one of the 600 and something statutes. And they would see in the, in the backdrop how all the kings and the people continue to fall short and continue to fail. And you see that in the prophets as well. And so, so basically, what you have in Jesus is Jesus does for Israel what Israel could not do. And, and the new covenant is now centripetal. It's like going out with the word to the people. It's not just attracting, but going out. So yeah. Uh, if you want to talk more about that, I'm happy to talk more later. Hardest paper I had to write in seminary, for sure. Okay, you mosaic covenant. Yeah. Yeah, I think we probably do one lesson on it. I think we, I think we do um, one lesson from Leviticus about, um, I think we do about the Day of Atonement, uh, which is the day when there was a sacrifice and um, for, for, you know, for the sins of the, all the people. And that's a, that's a pretty, um, that's, a pre, that's, that's pretty central to understanding the cross. And so, so yeah, just, I think there's just one lesson on that as, as an aspect of the Mosaic Covenant. Yeah. yeah. I know, mean, it's not going to get all gory, don't worry. Yeah, 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 toads. I have, I have some real uh, anxious sleepers in my house, so <laughs> I'm very sensitive to the whole nightmare thing, yeah. <laughs> Anything else? All right, great. Great to see you all. Um, let, me, uh, let me pray. By the way, that I've, I mentioned that Confident Faith class, um, how to talk to kids about faith. I sent an email about it this week, talked about it last week. Bible boot camp, how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to share the gospel, and then systematic theology year-long course, um, you, can, you can sign up for that. It'll be on the website. And we have 30 people already signed up. It's going to be really fun. It's for moms and dads. Uh, Mondays, 11 o'clock, Cranmer House. Uh, anchors down. All right, I'll pray. Jesus, thanks for, um, thanks, uh, thanks for your, your faithfulness, and thank you for, um, for your love and blessing that we live under because of your grace and mercy. And I pray for our children, and I pray that this would be it's a really good year where they would, the, the, the basics, God, the basics of personal relationship, the faithfulness of God, and the grace of Jesus, that that would really um, be deeply embedded in their hearts. And it would be, I pray here and now, Lord, we intellectually know those things, but it's a day-by-day thing where we need your Holy Spirit to help us believe those things and help us uh, believe in your faithfulness and believe in your goodness, um, that we might walk, walk with peace, fruitfully honoring and glorifying you. As you in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.